Hello, and welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. My name is Julie Bayfan Balzer, and I believe that curiosity is the key to creativity. Together with my super special co-host and my mom, Eileen Shoebalzer, we ask questions of each other and our guests while discussing learning, their creative career path, finding balance, looking at art, setting goals, and why being creative matters. Our goal is for this podcast to stimulate your imagination. Hi, Mom. Hello, Julie. How are you today? I'm good. Spring is definitely approaching, and uh, I will say this, I'm getting a lot of pleasure, even though quarantining, from watching my grandson grow, because there's progress. It's not <laughs> One of the things in quarantine is that every day is like the last day. Right, it's Groundhog Day. With, without any, you know, positive ending date, but when you watch a child grow, there's really a sense of moving forward, and that keeps me excited. It's true. I do have to say that this lost year or so from, you know, pandemic quarantining in many ways because of him, like, I have a sense of every day and, like, has a purpose and a goal and, like, a sense of time passing, which is good. Certainly the little ticks on the wall looking at his height show me that time has passed, and that's why he needs new pants. <laughs> Um, today on the podcast, we have a great guest, uh, Tanya Ahmed, who uh, has really turned her passion for creativity into a business. And she's talking on the podcast about how to get opportunities, how she's managed to develop relationships with companies, about um, working hard, putting yourself forward. And we talk a lot about self-confidence, too, which I think is an important topic and certainly one that my mom has been a champion of, not just for me, but for everyone for many years. So thanks, Mom, for being the cheerleader. And I and your famous burnt cookie saying, do you want to say it one more time for people who haven't heard it before? Well, if you have a plate of cookies, you don't always have to be the one to take the burnt one. It's true. It's true. You can take the good one and leave the burnt ones for other people. But exactly. I think I think sometimes we do it They're the other special. way. special. <laughs> uh, so a couple items of interest. I do want to let you know that uh, I have an upcoming live online class called Friday Night Art Journaling Tags on May 14th. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to cover a bunch of different surface design techniques, and then we will use the tags. And people always say, what do you do with tags? Well, I'm about to answer that question for you. And uh, that you get the recording of that class as well, so you can watch it over and over and over again. Um, the May class in A Year of Gelatin Printing, which is my work at your own pace uh, class, is all about stenciling. My favorite technique from the May class is I'm going to show you how to cut a stencil without a knife. And even if you have uh, arthritic fingers and stuff, this technique is going to work for you. You can create a beautiful, intricate stencil. So that's one to look forward to. You can find more information about that at balzerdesigns.com. And finally, I just want to say that our membership is a fantastic opportunity to interact with other like-minded arts people and they, you get a lot of different kinds of content that you might be interested in. It starts at just $5.99 a month. You get a uh, live stream every month. You get a real-time video where you get to see some art being made in real time and you get a personal vlog where you see a lot of my son running around and of course my mom too. So thanks for being a supporter. We appreciate you. And now let's get on to the interview. 
Tanya Ahmed is an art video maker and tutor based in the UK. As a lifelong crafter, she has blended her multi-crafts experience to hone her mixed media and paper craft work. She draws her inspiration from diverse cultures, bright colors, bold graphic design, and eclectic patterns. She has taught at several independent craft stores and workshops, demonstrated at international trade and consumer arts and craft shows, and been published in creative magazines, and she currently designs for companies within the arts and crafts industry. Welcome, Tanya. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So I feel like I've gotten to know you by following your Instagram. And you okay. post a lot of videos, like a lot of videos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really going for the reels these days. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, that transition into doing video. Were you a person who was always comfortable doing that kind of stuff? No, no, not at all. I mean, I'm I'm not trained uh, at all in video making. Uh, I've gone to the good old University of Google <laughs> and <laughs> just pretty much taught myself everything from uh, how to edit videos and how to be a better artist. So I'm not formally trained at all. So and what are some what are some tips that you've picked up that maybe would help our listeners? Well, the, the thing is that I used to spend all these years watching artists like yourselves, like you, especially you, because you do really amazing videos. And I always used to think, like, I wish I could do that, but I need fancy equipment. Um, but then the more I talk to people, I realized that a lot of people were just using their phones to film and sometimes even edit everything and i thought why, why can't i do that because these days you've got such a powerful machine in the palm of your hand um and everyone's looking at things on social media on a screen that is yay big so why not just go for it and see where it took me and i just decided to dive headfirst into it and what used to take me hours to do before now takes me minutes and I would say it's all about practice and just start just start small start somewhere and don't worry about equipment just start and get into the habit of being consistent yeah I think that a lot of people get hung up in the having everything be perfect and wanting to know that it's going to be like real that the first one is going to be like professional top-notch quality and I'm a huge fan of of just start where you are and understand that all of us have like a thousand terrible things in us, whether it's <laughs> videos or pieces of art or whatever. And the sooner you get your first terrible thousand out, the sooner you can get to the really good stuff. Exactly, exactly. And the thing is that with with the reels that I'm doing, I'm doing daily reels these days. And uh, some of them are not perfect. And I point that out to the people who follow me so that they can see that you know like I do a lot of gel printing and I always point point my mistakes out and say look that wasn't perfect look there's a paint smudge there and just try to demystify the process for people and just show them that you know even someone like me who's been doing a lot of print making makes mistakes uh, because you know how social media and Instagram is such a highlight reel and everyone gets hung up on the idea of perfection and when things don't look the same way as other people's do then people give up and 
I try and encourage people to, you know, just make mistakes. It's an experience at the end of the day. Yeah, I think we have an enormous fear of mistakes. And one of the things that I always like to tell people is think about the Olympics, right? These are the athletes who are literally the best at their sport in the entire world, right? Oh, yeah. And you know what? They make mistakes every single time. And the whole reason that you would get a perfect 10 score is, you know, because you didn't make any mistakes. But it's unusual, it's unusual to not make mistakes. And I want to like yeah. yell that from the rooftops. You could oh be God, the yeah. best at what you do in the world. And it's unusual to not make mistakes. And I think the more that you fear mistakes, the more they become this thing that shuts you down. And the more you embrace mm-hmm. mistakes, then the more willing you are to just say like, hey, whatever happens, happens. And mm-hmm. it'll be OK. Mm. I mean, what? completely agree with what you're saying and I also want to shout it from the rooftops that you know sometimes you just have to do things scared because being fearless only comes from doing things in a fearful state and Mm. the more you more you do them the more you gain confidence because I'm I am such an ordinary average person and I tell everyone that if I can figure things out then anyone can Because we live in such an amazing age where you can literally Google or YouTube everything or you could buy a book on how you can do this. And you can just study the processes of people who are in the same industry and see how they did it. All they did was start somewhere and start scared because you never really know uh, what your main goal is going to be at the end of the day. I mean, you have you have to have a goal. Obviously, it's a good good place to start so that you have a direction in which to aim. But you also all need to be prepared to you know pivot or change directions or something like that. Yeah, I agree. Flexibility, and I think that that is true whether we're talking about your career or whether we're talking about entering into an artwork. Which is, I may start a piece with a goal. I want to do this, and then along the way things evolve. And if I'm clinging to that singular goal, then I think it can be a very yeah. frustrating experience. <laughs> Whereas if yeah. you kind of like open up and say, "Okay, where am I now? Let's set a new goal." I think that that's not only okay, but I think that's desirable. Yeah. Yeah, oh, definitely. That's that's why a lot of people get so um, frustrated when they're starting out with art. Because I, I can't remember the, the quote by Ira Glass about how you have good taste when you're starting out and when the thing that you produce doesn't match that idea in your head, you get frustrated. So I, I can't, I'm probably butchering the quote, but it, it's you you have that idea to start because you know you you want it to look a certain way and when it doesn't look a certain way you get frustrated and that's yeah. where a lot of people give up well it's funny because you know if you said if somebody was like i want to have a six pack and then they did one workout and didn't have a six pack they would understand that they were being ridiculous <laughs> You know, that they should expect to have a six pack after a single workout. But somehow people are like, okay, I'm going to be an I'm going to do this. And then they go to a class and it's not, you know, professional level quality art that comes out after the class. And they're like, ugh, I'm no good at this. And it's like, no, you just haven't put in the time and the Mm. hours. And I think Mm. it is one of the things that uh, when people say, like, what's the difference between, like, let's say art and craft? 
And I often think that there is no difference or it's a very thin line. But one of the things that I'm more and more coming around to is like when I take a craft class, I kind of expect to make something that looks like the teacher, that whatever they've created, I'm going to be able to exit class with the same result. Right. Mm. When I take an Mm. art class, I don't have that expectation. I have an expectation that I'm going to sort of like learn techniques or ideas, you know, and then I'm going to have to filter them through my own me filter. Now, that's a personal Mm. definition for me of where the line kind of breaks down. Um, Mm. But I do think that people need to relax a little bit, (gasps) you know, and accept (laughs) that perfection is overrated and that you may never get to that original goal. You need to kind of pivot. Yeah. Now yeah, you're a definitely. person who I would call an up and comer. You're sort of at that point in your, you know, where you're, you're you're sort of on the upslope, shall we say, of the career. So I wonder, since we're talking about goals, if you can talk a little bit about sort of what is the business that you are in the midst of growing? Um. Well, at at the moment, uh, it's it's interesting, isn't it? That it, that it's people think that I just appeared out of nowhere. Uh, I often get asked that question that, you know, where, where have you been? You've just come out of nowhere in the past couple of years. And uh, I've actually been working in the industry for almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it's only just recently that I started working for myself Mm -hmm. and uh, just really going for it and just, trusting that intuition. So at the moment, I'm doing a lot of online classes for uh, other companies. Um, And my goal is to produce my own uh, online classes. That's a big goal that I have. And I'm already working on that. So the website is in progress. And uh, yeah, watch this space. Looking well, forward to it. I want to talk a little bit about this idea of you've been in the industry for 10 years and you've been working a lot yeah. for other companies, but you only recently yeah. started to work for yourself because yeah. I think that is such a key decision. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I used to work for uh, another company over here in the UK and they were an arts and crafts manufacturer. And uh, I initially applied to be on their design team. And uh, I put in a lot of thought into my design team application project. And they liked my project so much that their office person was leaving. Um, So they said, would you like to, you know, come and see us? And uh, one thing led to another. And I was basically responsible for doing everything from... Uh, helping to organize uh, international trade shows, look after design team, uh, look after social media and product development, website maintenance, you name it. So it was a small company and that's what it needed. And my job was in the creative industry, but it wasn't creative itself. So a part of me was always, you know, there was this inner yearning in me that that itch that you have you know I really want to try this and see if I can make this work so I made the really really hard decision to leave that job and because it was such a fantastic experience because I learned so much about what happens behind the scenes from a manufacturer's point of view and 
uh, I took a couple of months break and in 2018, I just really decided to go for it. Um, what I did was that I, I like to think that I'm good at networking and just keeping in touch with people. So I just put the word out there that, you know, uh, I was freelance now and that I was look on the lookout for work. And people, some people were already aware of the kind of work I, that I did, that I was a bit more professional and that I had some capabilities. So, and I used social media as a portfolio, so to speak, to display uh, what I was capable of. And that's where video making really came in. So in 2018, I really started making videos. Um, because of my videos, I was able to get on the Jelly Arts design team. Um, and I was noticed by a couple of other companies as well. And here's this is where networking also comes in, where uh, a friend recommended me to another company. So I was able to do presentations representing that company um, at, at online trade shows last year. Like Namta, I did a presentation for graphics, which was amazing. It's crazy even me saying this out loud, because three, four years ago, if Julie, if three, four years ago, somebody had told me that I would be talking about these things, I would have thought they were crazy. I didn't think it would was possible for me to uh, be doing the things that I am doing right now. Why didn't you think it was possible? I just, I just didn't because I am such a, uh, I consider myself a very ordinary person and um, I never thought that uh, I, uh, it comes from self-worth, doesn't it? I didn't think I deserved it and I've done a lot of work on myself to uh, come to a position where I can say that, yes, I deserve this and I deserve to chase after some really big goals and that being ambitious is not a bad thing yeah i would say i would say several things which is a yes you're 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 worth it and i can easily see that where i think it's hard sometimes to see it in yourself but i would also say this which is You've said a couple times that you think you're a very ordinary person, and I think a lot of people feel that way, right? Not, who am I? I'm just a regular, ordinary, you know, nothing special about me. And and I think the thing is, everyone is special, and everyone is interesting, and there are very few sort of ordinary people. One of the things I've discovered um, through conversations with strangers uh, whether, you know, pre-COVID time, it's sitting on an airplane next to a stranger and starting a conversation or going to an event where you start talking to somebody is everybody has stories and, you know, a perspective and the things that make them special. I, I have rarely, if ever in my life, met a person who was truly boring. There are people who don't know how to talk about what they love and they can be boring because they don't know how to get to the point of a story. But it, <laughs> but that's a different thing, you know. That that's a storytelling yeah. skill. I think yeah. there everybody has something in them, and I think one of the reasons that art is a pull um, to me and possibly to you too is because even if you 
don't think there's anything necessarily special about you. There's something about art that allows you to express what you don't even know is special about you. It kind Mm. of comes spilling out. And at first, Mm. you know, we imitate other people because Mm. we're afraid of our voice and we imitate Mm. other people because we're afraid that we won't be enough. And then as you gain confidence, you start to be able to be yourself and hold the paintbrush the way you do and use the motifs that you like and do all those things. And I think that confidence in art making spills over into confidence in your life. And I'm curious that sort of as you've become a better artist, because as you said at the beginning, you've taught yourself, you know, how to make your art better. Do you find that you have also become more confident in other areas of your life? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, when I say that I'm an ordinary person, I I completely agree with what you said about, you know, this extraordinary in everyone. My my thing is that I everyone asks me, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? How do you get all these opportunities? And that's what I always say to someone that. I am an average person, but because I work hard and that's why I've been able to figure things out. That That's why I say that anyone can figure this out. That we only hold ourselves back. And, and definitely, I have definitely gained a lot more confidence in myself uh, through my work. Well, there's that old quote, right, which is opportunity. Um, Many people mistake opportunity when it comes knocking because it becomes dressed in overalls and disguised as work. Yes. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Sometimes you just have to, you know, roll up your sleeves and get on with it. And um, like like the the videos, the, the videos, it's the engagement is great, but the because of the videos because people see the things that I do uh, I get offered uh, to do workshops for uh, other people like online workshops or um, live streams things like that so it's 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 stuff that's not benefiting me per se and social media becomes like a a whole separate job (laughs) if we start talking about that but the thing is, I, I treat social media as a portfolio so that people can see what I'm doing. And and it comes that, down to that thing. It's like the more I do, the more comfortable I feel about expressing my own personality through my art. Mm. And, and, th- and, you know, the inspiration that I get from my own culture. That, um, you know, I'm, I was born and raised in Pakistan. And I moved to the UK about 13 years ago. And I have this rich cultural heritage uh, that I grew up with. And the more I make, the more comfortable I am about expressing my influences through my art. And it's it's also interesting what you said earlier about uh, the difference between a crafter and an artist, that there's not much of a difference but there's always that hesitation isn't it that uh, jump making that jump from calling yourself a crafter to calling yourself an artist there is just like there is a big jump from you know calling yourself a a girl to calling yourself a woman yeah even though yeah. you know where's the line who's the line who knows i mean i think that 
women in particular, I think men don't have a problem with it. I think men come out of the box and they're just like, <laughs> I'm an artist. And it's like, are you? Oh, good. Good job. Um, but women have a lot of trouble because we're like, we go through this whole, am I good enough? Am I legitimately this? Can I only be an artist if I, you know, sell my work, etc.? You know, I think... I think it becomes really hard and it's the same way that I I had worked in the theater for many, many years and there's always the question of when you tell people you're an actor and they say like, have I seen you in anything? Are you still an actor if they haven't seen you anything? Are you still a writer if you haven't published a book? Are you still an artist mm-hmm. if you haven't sold a paint? Like, and I think mm-hmm. that we like to attach money as a form of legitimacy. If you make money, yeah. then you're legitimate. If you don't make money, then you're not legitimate. But I mean, are you a mom? If you had a baby, you don't make any money at it. Trust me. In fact, you lose money from it. <laughs> but, you know, nobody's going to say, no, you're not a mom. I, I, I think that we have this odd desire to equate money with how good you are. The more money you make, the better you are at it. But I think if the pandemic has taught us anything like who's of more value to me in my life? Is it my second grade teacher or is it a basketball star? And the amount of money that they make is very, very different. But one makes a difference in my daily life and one is completely inconsequential to my life in any Mm. way, shape or form and is a waste of money, in my opinion. You know, Mm. and I think that that is some of what we need to get away from. So the same thing is true, which is when I ask like what your goals are, I think it's a sort of larger conversation. This is like when I when coaching clients come to me, I often say to them, like, what are your goals? Are your goals to make money? Are your goals to gain fame? Are your are your goals to just have associations with interesting people? Are your goals to, you know, have a great reputation within the industry? Because th- those are not the same paths, mm. you know? And yeah. there are plenty of people who make a great living, but you don't know their name. And you're exactly. not familiar with who they are. And I would say, yeah. you know, you were working in the industry for 10 years, which is not the same as being, you know, like, let's say Instagram famous. And there are people who have, you know, 100,000 followers on Instagram and they're not making enough money mm. to, you know, support their families. So I think mm. you really have to think about when you think about goals, mm. you can have different goals. And what I really like about your strategy of, you know, for people who don't know what reels are, there are these short sort of TikTok style videos that are on Instagram. And when you're saying you're doing daily reels, this is kind of a modern version to me of dress for the job that you want, right? They used to tell you that. Like, if you want to be the boss, go to work (laughs) in a suit because the boss wears a suit, right? And so this is like, if you want to teach, you got to show people that you're capable of teaching. So Mm -hmm. you have to make tutorial videos. Mm -hmm. If you want Mm -hmm. companies to hire you, you you have to use their products. This is always Mm -hmm. a crazy one. Like, and I and I've talked to some of my coaching clients about this, where I say, you know, you can't use competing products in the same video because those people are never going to those companies aren't going to hire you. You know, if you want to get hired by Ranger to do some kind of work, you can't be using, you know, other people's ink pads. Yep. You have to just exclusively, you know, use what's interesting to them. So, again, it's like audition for the job that you want. Dress for the job that you want. Create the kind of thing you'd be doing. Now, you have been on a lot of design teams. You've run a design team. And I think um, I would love it if you would first, for people who don't know what a design team is, can you just explain what that is? 
a design team uh, is a term that a art and craft manufacturer would use. So they would hire someone and it could be a contract, it could be a temporary contract, and they would send you product with the expectation that you would make something using those products. And it could be uh, making a video or doing a blog post as well as uh, and some commitment to do some additional uh, posts on social media as well. It depends from company to company. And usually these are not paid positions. The pay is in free product. Yeah. Let me ask you. Usually. If you have been on design teams, what's the motivation for you to be on a design team? And then how do you know when it's time to get off? Good question, Mom. Tanya? Um, I've been, I've, I've done both free and paid work. And uh, I, I personally believe, I personally believe that if you want to gain some experience, sometimes you just have to do the free work. So that A, you get some product if money is an issue and then you build up enough product and then you can use that product to showcase your own style on your social media. Again, using it as a portfolio, so to speak. And uh, when do you decide that you don't want to do that anymore? Um, the, the teams that I'm currently on I, I do get paid for my work. So, and these are companies that it's not just a design teamwork that I do for them. Uh, I get uh, other opportunities because of it. So like, for example, Jelly Arts, I'm one of their brand ambassadors. And uh, because of that, b because I do blog posts for them, I also do Instagram videos for them. And uh, because of that, I've had the opportunity to teach for uh, live Zoom classes for Michaels, for example. I've had opportunities uh, to teach in-person classes because people associate me with Jelly Arts now. So it's it's a it's a balance, and you have to personally decide uh, how is it going to work for you in the long run, because. I think that people who who just want to keep getting their free product, they, if they're happy doing just that, then that's fine. Uh, you you have to be happy with whatever decision. Uh, again, like Julie, you said, you have to have a goal. Like if that's your goal, that this is just your hobby, then uh, you can just keep doing that. Uh, but if if you want to think long term, the long term game. You want to think ahead. How is this going to benefit me? How can I uh, use this to get more opportunities? It's it's sometimes you just have to have that um, self awareness and be really truthful with yourself about why am I really doing this? Oh, yeah, I think that the I've done a ton of free work 
I believe that free work can uh, lead to paid opportunities if that's important to you. I also think that free work can lead to uh, opportunities to be seen by audiences that you might not be seeing. I think you do have to always mm-hmm. think about, I also think free work can can let you learn a lot of things about mm-hmm. an area of the industry or about yourself. Mm-hmm. It can also let you practice things like mm-hmm. being forced to work with limited supplies or particular oh, yeah. things or anything like that. So I think there's definitely a lot of learning and free opportunities. I think the time to stop is when you feel like the work is no longer joyful and it's not yeah. giving you something back in return. I mean, it's kind of like yeah. any relationship, right? There shouldn't mm-hmm. be a single relationship in your life, you know, where you're not getting something in return. Mm-hmm. It could be, uh, you know, my with my son, I get, what do I get for taking care of him? I get the pleasure of his company, which for me is enough. You know, I mm-hmm. enjoy him and it's important to me and it's special. But it's like you have to think about everybody has that had those toxic friendships at some point or toxic romantic relationships where you suddenly realize that you're not getting out of the relationship enough, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, to keep you there, mm-hmm. to want to be a part of it. And so design mm-hmm. teams are the same way. And I've been on some design teams that were great. I've been on some design teams that were abusive of my time and energy mm-hmm. and everything else mm-hmm. and taken advantage mm-hmm. of. At some point, you know, the idea that you can either work to build somebody else's dream or you can work to build your own started to really exactly. resonate with me. Preach. Yeah. And so that became a big thing for me. I, you know, there's a story that I, there was a group of girls who I used to meet um, at Creativation every year when it was called CHA. And we would talk about this story that I have been told in college, which is uh, about sort of the will to live and hope, right? Which is if you, you know, filled a blender with water, and then started it at a slow speed. So it kind of created a whirlpool. Yeah. And then you put a mouse in the uh, blender. What will happen is the mouse will swim and swim and swim and swim. And then it'll just eventually give up and let itself be sucked into the, uh, you know, uh, whirlpool. Mm. But if you take the mouse out and get let it rest for, a, you know, a few seconds and give it a breath and then put it back, it'll swim twice as long. Because now mm. it has hope. Mm. Right? that somehow it's going to be able to get out if it can just last a little bit longer. And so in the end, we are all that mouse in the blender, which is hope. Then it's the kind word from the abusive, you know, partner. (laughs) It's the, you know, small paycheck from the work that you that you did, whatever it is that gives you that moment of hope where you think the relationship is going to get better. But in the end, you're still in a blender and you need to get out of the blender and so the thing that we always used to talk about is don't be the mouse in the blender like don't let yourself just be swimming and swimming and swimming and just having these little Mm -hmm. breaths of hope get Mm -hmm. out of the blender and define Mm -hmm. you know what it is that you really want to do what your Mm -hmm. playing field is all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff and I think again like there's it would be crazy to come out of the gate with no experience and say, I want to get endorsement deals and I want to, you yeah. know, work with these companies and I want to da 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 oh, You can say that, but then it's like, let's find your path there and it it's not quite straight to the top, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to put mm-hmm. in the work, like we've said before, mm-hmm. and do all the things. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, definitely. and I think, you know, definitely. when thinking about all the time that you spent working at that company in a sort of a non-creative job, but in the industry, that was probably, I'm going to guess, like really helpful in a lot of ways of understanding how products get developed and all that kind of stuff, which has mm-hmm. probably helped your relationships with manufacturers because you understand where they're coming from. You have a different sense of like supply chain, deadlines, timelines, like how to actually promote product. I mean, that's another thing that always gets to me, which we could certainly talk about, which is um, when you're on a design team, one of the things you need to do is promote the product. So for instance, if you're on the Crafters Workshop, you know, which is a company that I design stencils for team, and you're meant to be showing off the stencil, I often see beautiful products where the dominant part of the project is not a stencil. So I would say the Crafters Workshop doesn't have a problem with that. But if I Mm. were picking the design team, I would have a problem with that. Because Mm. to me, you need to find a way to make whatever it is you're showing off Mm -hmm. be the absolute star and to say there's Mm -hmm. no way you could have done this project without this product Mm -hmm. you can you you know what i mean like you Mm -hmm. have to find some way to do that so it's like can you are there jelly printing techniques that you can do without a jelly plate yes there are well i don't want to show those i want to show the techniques that require a gelatin plate you know are there other are there projects that you could do with with a different stencil where you could substitute it here well don't show that show why this design not any Mm -hmm. stencil this design Mm -hmm. is necessary this stamp whatever the company Mm -hmm. is this i think Mm -hmm. is alta new another company that you work with yeah i'm on their design team so Um, they have like ink pads stamps is that right They've got everything. It's it's such an amazing company, and the way they've grown over the years is it, it's it's like a masterclass in how marketing really should be done. They're freaking amazing. I love them. I watched them grow from a distance, and it's an honor to be asked to be on their design team. And mind you, they're they're. Uh, team is mostly very floral, very pretty, very elegant stuff. Whereas my stuff is mixed media and flinging paint everywhere. And they really like what I did. They really like what I did with mixed media. So they wanted to introduce mixed media to their uh, audience. And that's why they brought me on. They said, just do do you. Just do yourself using our products. I think that's and great. And that was, it was such an honor to be us because if you look at their feed, it's so beautiful and elegant and all these lovely cards. And then there's me who's like really heavily technique focused because it comes back down to that thing that you said that if you've got a product focused post to do, for example, you have to show people why this is the product that is the only product that you need for this technique to achieve a certain effect through a certain technique. And you showcase different ways of using that product. Because it, my, my thing is that I'm, I'm normally pretty stingy about buying stuff for myself. Um, and I always think that if I can't think of like 10 things that I can't do with it, I can do with it, then I'm not going to buy it. Yeah, I so, used to have the dollar rule. Which is if something costs five dollars, you have to be able to think of five projects you can use it on. If something costs one hundred and twenty-five dollars, yeah. you better be able to think of one hundred and twenty-five <laughs> different projects you can use it on. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I'm gonna think of. I'm gonna keep that in mind <laughs> next time I, I've got like one hundred and fifty. <laughs> 
pounds to spend on something. And sometimes, you know, you can and you can think of things like I I will say that, you know, I I did not buy my scan and cut. It was given to me, but I use it often enough that I now see that it was worth it. And there are other tools that I had thought I would use a lot more and I have yeah. not. And that is yeah. always sad to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I just I just want to say that I would never have considered the scan and cut it's it's an investment it's basically an investment mm -hmm. and i would have never considered it unless i saw you using the scan and cut the way you do and uh, also like you used to do project life uh, a mm -hmm. lot as well and i was never really interested in project life until i saw you do it in your own way i mean i i don't have kids Mm -hmm. And I always thought that, you know, Project Life is only for people who have kids. Who am I to document my own life? Mm. But then I saw you do Project Life in your own way, uh, doing mixed media techniques on it, putting your own hand into making those little... Uh, uh, pockets. Those pockets, exactly. And I really love that. And I think that gets to a bigger point, which is I think a lot of people are afraid to be themselves and they think that they need to create work that looks like other people. And what you don't know is that when you stand up with your voice and give your point of view, there are other people out there like you who are just waiting for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's yep. the thing with Alta New for you, right, is mm -hmm. that that may be a signature style that they have, but people are interested in more than just that. I always tell people like, so on my first date with Steve, one of the things I said to him as he was hemming and hawing sort of around, he wanted to tell me something and I was like, oh God, just let your freak flag fly. Just let, like, tell me what it is and either I'll like you or I won't, you know? But hiding it makes no sense for you or for me, right? Mm. Everybody should just, so I, I say that in art too, let your freak flag fly. Like if, you, if you're if you like me and you want to paint eyeballs all day and you go through an eyeball period, like <laughs> rock on, paint eyeballs, you know? Whatever yeah. it is that's interesting to you, that I think that's important. I do want to get back to one thing you said about um, Alta New being like marketing geniuses and showing how marketing has gone. Now I have to confess that I actually know almost nothing about Alta New. Um, so just tell me a little bit about what are, what is sort of the marketing things that they've done that have been so good? Uh, they work very closely with, um, um, influencers. Mm -hmm. God, I hate using that word, but, um, with other designers within the industry. So, and they have monthly releases and they're not like small releases. They're actually quite substantial. And there's like, might be uh three four releases in a month and they're always themed so they have a main release they might have a, a standalone die release a stencil release uh every couple of months and then they have like subscription stamps as well as well as smaller stamps as well and when you've got that many releases you can't just unleash them out into the world and say go forth and do well my designed babies you have to have a plan in place and uh often i'll get the products maybe three four months in advance and uh we will have uh to submit uh project photographs uh by a certain deadline and they have a team of uh, graphic designers and uh their marketing director uh, she does a lot of planning in advance 
deciding the newsletter is going to go out at this time on this day. We're going to have a blog hop and it's going to be promoted like this. And this person is doing videos and this is what we need to highlight and anything and everything, like even down to like little details about changing banners on their website and changing it so that to take into account every new release. And they work a lot with uh, us uh, design team people as well. So we ourselves, we get a lot of opportunities. Um, we they, they also have an education program. So they have something called Alter New Academy where they do a lot of online workshops. Um, and they also do a lot of lives as well. And lives, as we know, is also very, very good engagement on social media. No matter what platform you use, uh, the algorithms are always geared towards um, pushing any lives out. Uh, and the, I mean, it's it's just lots of gears going, and seeing all those gears come together, because I I worked with a manufacturer, but not probably at the scale that Altini do it. So it's a joy to see for me because I'm, I'm a marketing geek. I really love marketing. And uh, as an adult, I've taken a lot of online courses on business and marketing and all that stuff. So it's, it's very interesting, very fascinating for me to observe uh, from afar from a distance so to speak and being like a small cog in the machine that is the company so it's interesting it just it sounds like they just really pay attention to all the details and are working way out ahead and sort of sort of instead of like last minute scrambling no no it's definitely not it's it's they uh they they probably spend like a good couple of months, maybe over over a year, depending on what kind of product it is, developing it, testing it, making sure it works, and 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 then we get it in advance. Sometimes there might be tight deadlines, but most of the time we are getting the stuff in advance so that we have uh, the images to send over so that mm -hmm. they can promote the products. I think, you know, one of the benefits of working for a large company, even for a short period of time, is when you figure out things like, oh, they work way ahead of time. Maybe I should work way ahead of time. Oh, they, you know, do this, <laughs> oh, they yeah. do that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that. I, I am curious about your daily videos. Are you uh, doing like batching them where you do like several in a day or are you literally recording a new video every day? Uh, all of the above. <laughs> depending on what's happening um, so what I tend to do is uh, I do batch record and uh, and then I will batch edit afterwards and that could be like a couple of days taken care of and then sometimes what I also tend to do is I repurpose old uh, videos so there might be like really old videos that I've already got on YouTube and I can just download them on my phone and quickly splice them so that I have something to share on social media. So it's it's uh, again about that that uh, that thing that you said about being the mouse in the blender. It's mm. it's like a constant battle. It it doesn't have to be because you can repurpose your old material. 
and I have no uh, no issues sharing older material uh, because I I have a, a a bigger following now, and I uh, the algorithm only shows your post to like a small percentage, uh, three to three percent and six percent if you're lucky. And if you're resharing old uh, content, it might reach some new uh, people who have never seen that before. So I do repurpose. And sometimes if uh, I've got something that uh, or a new idea that I really, really want to share, then I might make something on the same day and share on the same day. Um, but normally, for my own sanity, I do batch work. <laughs> because it's, it's like... It might be just a, a 30 second video, um, but sometimes it can take me an hour or two hours to make. So, and I might have spent even longer just thinking about an idea, well, what can I do? And uh, what I like to do is I like to, I'm a compulsive list maker. So, and I used to be like all over the place and keeping lists everywhere, but now I've started compiling everything. Uh, do you keep one. a bullet journal? Yes, I do. Me too. It's the greatest yeah. invention. It's the greatest thing ever. It's, it's like two things that have been really life-changing for me in my organization are uh, the bullet journal and morning pages. So these two things are like things I, I can't do without. So briefly, I mean, a bullet journal for people who don't know is this uh, method of keeping lists that just makes you a little bit more organized. There's an indexing system so you can easily find things. And instead of having a thousand pieces of paper, you just have a notebook. Um, mm -hmm. But it's better than a regular notebook. It sounds crazy. But once you once you go to the bullet journal, it's really hard to do anything else. Um, and yeah. then morning pages are this thing from Julia Cameron and her book, yep. The Artist's Way, where the idea is every morning you wake up and pretty soon after you get up, you basically let your brain drip out of your head through these yep. Uh, yep. sort of ramblings, which most of the time are not meant to really be kept. They're kind of just like, Bleh, and then, yep. you know, move on yep. from it's, the day. Yep. Yeah. It's been, morning pages have been life changing. It's been life changing. That's great. I find that I use my journal a lot for that. So my journaling is usually probably just like, blah, it's not particularly interesting, mm. but it just clear, mm. clears out the cobwebs, mm. as they say. Mm. Mm. Um, now, you obviously have studied a lot of people who are successful or sort of doing the things that you want um, and learn from them. I'm wondering, uh, before we get towards recommendations, if you can just give us uh, maybe a couple of the people who uh, have been influential or helpful to you, who you've kind of studied what they've done, either people or companies um well you you obviously um nat kalbach uh you're on nat's team aren't you i i was i was that's i am so very grateful to her because uh she was the first design team that i was on when i started doing it for myself and and because of that it just gave me the confidence to you know just really go for it and uh she also invited me to be on creative jumpstart as well uh for the first time so i've been on creative jumpstart for three years now uh this year was my third year so i'm so very grateful to her 
she's someone who I really look up to. And uh, uh, Birgit Coopson, mm-hmm. my dear friend Marsha Walk, uh, my friend Rika Kovacin, and um, other people. It's it's I I really. I, I think I got into the world of paper crafting and mixed media because of uh, Jennifer Maguire mm-hmm. and uh, Tim Holtz because they used to do a lot of YouTube videos. So when I moved to the UK uh, 13 years ago, uh, there weren't any very many local craft shops. So I turned to YouTube and discovered that there were people who loved <laughs> making things as much as I did and it was through Jennifer Maguire and Tim Holtz's videos and this is like loads of people like like I really used to look up to Donna Downey as well when she used to do her inspiration Wednesday art journals that was my first introduction to art journaling which is now really my thing mixed media and art journaling so I mean the the list could go on the list could go on, Julie. Is crafting culture in Pakistan very different? Um, crafting as a hobby is uh, it's 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 very hard to explain when it's something that you've grown up with and it's such a big part of your life. Because growing up, I was surrounded by some very very creative women uh my aunt my mom my grandmother everyone was either knitting or crocheting or embroidering or sewing i grew up in dresses that my mom made our house was full of things that my dad who is a textile engineer and a a very very good uh, carpenter so he used to build things like bookshelves I had a giant dollhouse that he'd built for us. We had a bird cage that he had built. So I I grew up around a lot of creativity and I didn't think of it as a hobby per se. I always thought of it as a way of life, that this is a part of my life. If yeah. that kind of makes sense. It well, it makes sense to me. I believe I believe creativity is a way of life and that when people you know ask about like lifestyle questions it it's creativity because it's like well why buy it when you can make it it's understanding you know that buying art supplies is an important thing it's understanding that it's you know i'm not going to sit in front of the tv without a project in my hands it's understanding Mm -hmm. that i always have a go bag with some sort of art project in it to throw in my suitcase or my purse or whatever it's understanding that like it's important to me that my son makes art i mean it's it's all of those things and uh you know everyone in my life expecting a handmade card for their birthday and being disappointed if they don't get one right (laughs) yeah i i think that creative lifestyle more than anything is uh you know it's it's an ethos i remember somebody once saying to me okay well you do art for a living what's your hobby and i was like oh i like to make art as a hobby too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's like, is that maybe boring and narrow or something like that? And it could be, I suppose. But to me, it's just so endlessly interesting that, yes, I like to make it for money, but I like to make it just for me, too. And yeah. the pleasure of discovery and uh, understanding. And I think, you know, creativity is a 
it's a muscle. It's a, uh, it just feels good to exercise it because it's like, it's your, I always think it's intellectual mixed with physical. There's something very exciting about those two things coming together. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different for everyone, but I, I think you're probably the same way that I've, I've found that if I'm creative daily, it just fires me up more. I thought that I would need a break and, you know, uh, I, I need a rest. And every every now and then I do have a rest. I'll have like one or two days where I, I don't do anything creative, but I miss it. And mm. I find that when I'm doing something every day, even if it's just for a few minutes, and even if it's not to finish anything, it might be just to sit down and just do some coloring. And that will that will be my creative batteries charged. And that just, like you said, it's the thing that helps you make money, but it's also the thing that helps to, you know, you do it for yourself to de-stress. So Tanya, do you have a day job or do you, is this your full-time gig? This is now my full-time gig. So I was, I'm, I'm also a trained uh, interpreter. So I stopped doing that in 2019 i would like to say that's exciting and by the way so how many languages do you speak well i i speak uh three uh i i speak english and urdu urdu is my my mother tongue and i speak punjabi socially and so is the most of the was most of the work interpret interpretive work you were doing in Urdu to English or English to Urdu or something like that? Well, it's, it's both because I'm helping a, a person whose native language is in, is Urdu and the other person whose native language is English. So I'm basically helping them communicate with each other. That is so, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could certainly, I, I, the mischievous side of me says, well, you could certainly make them say things slightly <laughs> differently and change the conversation. But I suppose that's completely unethical. No, it, it, it is. It is. You could get into a lot of trouble for that. Yes. And you, you, you have to be really careful. Even if the person is being really rude and being really sweary, then you have to translate exactly what they're saying and in the same tone. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other conversation for another day. Let us, <laughs> we're sort of running out of time. So why don't we do some recommendations? I know, you, I think you have a book to recommend. Yes, I would like to recommend uh, Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art. So Stephen Pressfield is a writer and this book isn't, I, I think it's a must read for every creative. Um, it's, it's basic premise is uh, the blurb reads break through the blocks and win your inner creative battles and um the the gist of the book is you can't sit around and wait for inspiration to come to you so inspiration only comes to those who work so you have to fight through what he calls the the resistance so it's it's like you're almost like a creative warrior so to speak and it's resistance is something that you need to fight really hard against so that you can get the work done. Um, I would highly recommend this to anyone who's who just likes reading and is interested in uh, improving their creative process. 
That sounds great. Uh, Mom, you've been very quiet. Do you have a recommendation and anything to add? I have been quiet. Well, I don't want to start a whole other conversation. I'll just <laughs> tell you my thought that I've yeah. been thinking, which is it started from when Tanya was talking about she's just an ordinary person. And it, it moved on to where I was thinking that uh, it's hard for... I think women in particular in a lot of cultures to say that they want something and to have ambition, the kind of ambition that men more easily talk about. Mm. And, and so when you talk about what, what do you want in the future or what's your plan, it, you often don't even dare to articulate that you have one yeah. because it seems presumptuous somehow, but I think what's happening is more and more people are encouraging young girls to think about that and that in order to build a business as you both have you have to have a plan and you have to be ambitious and you have to articulate where you want to go and that both of you are successful because you actually view this as a business and you do make plans it's not just about working hard because you can work hard for someone else. You have to have a plan for yourself. Mm. And you have to believe that you are deserving of it. So that's what Tanya said about it's about self-esteem. I really think mm. it is. Mm. So I congratulate both of you. Oh, thank you, Amy. Yeah, I okay. think that there's, I would just, just one more thing on the topic because I think it's so important and I don't know who needs to hear this today, but... Listen up. A lot of people. <laughs> yeah, which is you need to value your time. My mother used to do this thing when we were little where she had exercise class three days a week and she absolutely, it was sacrosanct. And it didn't matter if somebody was like, well, can't we just have the meeting then? It would be so much easier. Or can't you just do this then? It was like, no, that was her time. And I think you need to do that too if you're building a business or if you're wanting to get better at your art. You can't mm. have these dates with yourself. If you say, I'm going to spend these two hours making art and other people mm. want to eat your time in some way, that's a mm -hmm. real appointment with yourself. That's a mm -hmm. real obligation. And you have mm -hmm. to make that time for mm -hmm. you. You deserve mm -hmm. it. Yes, mm -hmm. you. Okay. For anyone who needs soapbox. Yes, for anyone who's heard. Okay, mom, recommendation. My recommendation is an article that came out in the New York Times in April, but I'm not sure that everyone saw it because it's very interesting. It's called The Woman Who Made Van Gogh. And uh, it's actually his sister in law who devoted almost all her life after her husband and Van Gogh also died to making his art famous. And one of the things that she introduced was the idea of looking at a, an artist's work through the lens of psychology, through the lens of what was going on in his or her life at the time which, although it seems obvious to us now, was not the way people were looking at art. They were just looking at the actual image and stopping at the edges of the frame. So I think it's a very interesting article, even if you're not that interested in Van Gogh, inter interested in understanding the museum world, the art critical world critique world and how we've changed the way we 
analyze art. So mm. we'll, I'll send you the link. Okay. Um, my recommendation is significantly more lowbrow than either of your recommendations. <laughs> and yet equally worthy. And yet equally worthy, which is Indeed. I dragged an old tool out of a drawer this week and I've really been enjoying it. So it is the We Are Memory Keepers envelope punch board. And what it does is you can make custom sized envelopes. And this sounds Ooh. stupid, but <laughs> I was making some, uh, I wanted to make some uh, pockets for journal for ephemera but it wasn't the right size for any of the envelopes that I had sitting around and I was like mm. what am I going to do and mm. then I remembered that I had this stashed in a drawer and I pulled it out and it was super easy and then I ended up making like a lot of envelopes which I have no <laughs> idea what I'm going to use them for um, but I made them out of gelatin prints I made them out of clear um, duralar I made them out of like all sorts of just art stuff I had sitting around and I had a lot of fun doing it so if you want to make a lot of envelopes in custom sizes the we are memory keepers envelope punch board is a good time mm. right pretty simple and easy so uh tanya where can people find you online if they want to connect uh well you can check out my reels on my instagram which is tanya ahmed so that's t-a-n-i-a-a-h-m-e-d and you can check out all my details, everything that's happening uh, over on my website, which is tanyaahmedcreative.com and sign up to my newsletter to keep in touch. And you're going to have you having a podcast coming out soon. Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So I have a new podcast coming out. It's called The Crafter Math. And it's basically my excuse to talk to people who I admire and love and talk about art and craft. And so, if yeah. people want to be in the know about that, they can sign up for your newsletter, I assume, and you'll send yes. out info about it. Yes, 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 yes. Great. Mom, if people want to find you online, what should they do? They ask you. <laughs> she's a she's a ghost anyway uh you can find me and my mom uh at juliebalzer.com or on instagram as balzer designs and if you'd like to take a class with me or sign up for private coaching i'd love to hear from you so uh and if you want to help the show which we always appreciate you can leave a review you can mention us on social media you can tell a friend all of those things really help other people find the show so thanks so much for listening and subscribing we appreciate you and we'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. Bye.